0: It was something about the week in the locker room, even going through pregame. You know, I thought we took the crowd completely out of it. And uh, generally, you you have to deal with a lot, you know, a lot louder place. That was Sean Payton talking about the win in Seattle and how Saints basically stole all the, sucked all the air out of the stadium early on with the Deontay Harris punt return for the touchdown, then the defensive touchdown. Then Teddy Bridgewater and the offense start to go to work. He take a lead early in Seattle. Takes the crowd out of it. Which we've seen many, many times throughout the years. The crowd has been a factor when the Saints have gone to Seattle and not had much success. But a monster win for the Saints on Sunday. And now it kind of changes things over these next couple of weeks. As we uh, look at the, the Teddy Brid- Bridgewater chapter of this season as uh, all signs point to drew uh, still coming back after six weeks potentially after that bye week but uh, as we ride with teddy these next couple of weeks everybody was kind of taking the approach of oh you know if we could just get through this if we can just be 500 if we could be four and four at the bye week now you go and steal one i don't think many people gave you credit uh, or, or rather were thinking you could win in seattle now we start to look at it a little bit more optimistically and go what if we're five and three? What if we're six and two at the break? A lot of things can change now for the Saints in this season. And join us now as he does every Tuesday. to Talk all things Saints is our buddy Ross Jackson from the All Saints Considered blog and the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross, what's up, man? Do we have a? Do we have Ross there? Oh, there. We hey, go. there we are. There we are. What's what's going on, man?
1: Oh, man. Doing well, man. Enjoying this oh, well. win from this weekend. What a big weekend for just Louisiana sports altogether. Tulane, LSU, and the Saints. Uh, it was a great weekend, man. Always glad to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, it was an awesome, awesome weekend for, uh, for South Louisiana sports. I hope we can have uh, every weekend like that. But uh, mm-hmm. let, let's jump into it, Ross. How much does this win change things for you and expectations? Because I think you know, if you'd asked me on Friday, I would have said, look, I was hoping the Saints could just go and look and impress and look good. And I said, you know, even if they lose like a 24-21 game, but Teddy looks good, I was like, I'll take positives from that. Now they go in there and actually get the win and maybe change his expectations here these next couple of weeks with Drew out.
1: Yeah, I was absolutely in the exact same place. I was looking for them to sort of redefine what a win might look like last Sunday. Uh, again, in this game, in terms of you know, they can walk away with a notch in the in, in the L column there, but they could still learn a lot of positives from Teddy Bridgewater. And uh, of course, back at that time, there was also the possibility of seeing the Taysom Hill Teddy Bridgewater tandem, which we only saw Taysom Hill twice under center on Sunday, which goes to show you some good trust in Teddy and what he was doing. Uh, but certainly, there's a lot more. You know, I was kind of going into it pretty optimistic, but now there's even more optimism surrounding this team when you come out here with this first game where everybody was kind of saying, you know, these first two games are going to be the rough ones. But after that, you know, once you get past these next two games, there's a couple of wins in there for the team. And if they can grab those, and we'll be all right by the time that Drew comes back and give Drew a chance to, you know, in those last eight games to kind of clear their way to the playoffs. But now, you know, you're feeling a little bit better here at this point, even if the Saints were to lose out, they still have a shot at 10 and six. If you can trust Drew to come back to win eight games in a row, which he's done before with this team, And so now you're feeling a little bit more relaxed and you look at, you know, moving forward these next few games, these next five games without Drew, any win moving forward is just kind of gravy at this point and you continue to build up. So the idea of hitting 500 while Drew is gone, or even like you mentioned, maybe even four and two, five and one, these are all gathering more greater, greater impossibilities as they move forward.
0: I think last week everybody talked up the Taysom thing because obviously Sean made the comment of, right. oh, you're, you're assuming that Taysom's the number two and all this stuff. <laughs> People, I think were assuming we were going to see more of Taysom Hill. And I said to the contrary, I bet they stick with Teddy more because you want to have that trust in him and that faith in him and say, Hey, look, this is your show. Go run it. If they're constantly pulling him out for a snap or two here and there for, T- for Taysom, he doesn't really get to build that momentum. And, and and yep. keeping Teddy in like they did last week, it kind of puts that trust in him. So I said, now, maybe this game with Dallas, maybe this game is one where you can put Taysom in three, four, five times, maybe, uh, if even if Teddy's running the offense well. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And, and also, when you look at the way that the game started for Teddy, there was absolutely no way for him to gather a rhythm within those first couple of drives. You had a flag procedural penalties, holding penalties. You had all of these things going on within the first two drives. It felt like every other play, sometimes three plays, two plays in a row. And so with that, it was super tough for him to get any kind of a rhythm. So thankfully, the game plan wasn't to get Taysom too overly involved because otherwise you would have been dealing with him You know, having to deal with all those penalties, not catching a rhythm early within those first couple of drives, and then you would have sort of been stifling his rhythm a little bit earlier too with mixing in Taysom Hill every couple of plays like you mentioned. So thankfully they didn't go that route at all, but I do agree that this week you're probably going to see a little bit more of it. I don't think that you're going to see a large percentage of snaps go to Taysom Hill, you know, 15 20%. I don't think it's going to be like that. But I think it'll be a handful like we usually see with Drew.
0: Talking with her, Ross Jackson, we heard last week Ross that the uh, you know look the idea of with Drew out, everybody else kind of needs to step up their game because we didn't see that against the Rams, right? It was like mm-hmm. oh my God, Drew's out and everybody just craps the bed. So this week we saw more, uh, maybe more focus out of the some of the guys like on the defense playing a little bit harder uh, getting to the ball a little bit quicker uh Michael Thomas looked a little bit more crisp this week than the previous week and mm-hmm. then Alva Kamara I thought was the one that blew us all away with just putting the team on his back and say we will not lose this game I was uh not surprised when I saw the pro football focus stats that Alva Kamara had 12 forced missed tackles against the Seahawks that led the NFL in week three it was a new career high for him um man he was he was on another level on Sunday
1: yeah, and the, this is one of those things where you know we spent all the all this week kind of talking about Teddy and Taysom and what that share might be and what that might look like and what Sean's gonna do, and then all of a sudden you come into this game with that focus, and then you you just see Alvin Kamara be the one to really soak everything up and 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 just sort of take off. I mean. You look at what he did, and this is the first time that he had ever, you know, matched up with the Seahawks in his career. And so there's something to be said in, you know, how many times is this going to happen to where there's still a few teams out there that, uh, that haven't played against Alvin Kamara yet. And so what is he going to do when he gets the opportunity to play against him for the first time and they have no idea what to do when they get their hands on him? And uh, look, I mean, the guy was just incredible. That was probably his best game as a Saint, and he's had some great ones, but just in terms of what the environment was, where they were playing, what the situation was, too, all of these things that you kind of add into this for context sort of equal up to this being Alvin Kamara's biggest game as a Saint, 161 uh, all-purpose yards. He just looked incredible uh, throughout, and you know, you add to that getting points from your special teams, getting points from your defense, kind of like what... The clip that you played with uh, Sean Payton earlier, talking about how he was able to take the crowd, they were able to take the crowd out of the game because they came out so quick, scoring in these other these other phases of the game. Just all of that combined together, and all of that rallying around uh, Teddy Bridgewater was exactly what it is that people wanted to see in terms of these other players stepping up. Sean Payton came in with what looks like a pretty clear game plan, gets the ball into the hands of the playmakers and let them do work, and then you ride the hot hand with Alvin Kamara, and it worked out for them this week, and I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to muster against Dallas's defense, which is a little bit more of a challenge, but they'll also be at home in prime time, so a uh, lot lots to look forward to moving forward. report a lot of optimism for this, uh, despite all of the, the circumstance.
0: Did you realize before Sunday Alvin had not scored a touchdown since the Steelers game last year?
1: That's crazy. Uh, no, I did not. That's insane.
0: Yeah, somebody said they're like, it's his first touchdown in five games. I'm like, wait a minute. What the And I had to go back and look. No touchdowns in the AFC title game. No touchdowns in the uh, in the, the Philly playoff game. And then, of course, he, he didn't play in the Week 17 game against Carolina. But, yeah, the last time he had scored a touchdown before Sunday was the Pittsburgh game last year. That's crazy.
1: That's absolutely insane. That's like when you look at what Von Bell's production has been so far this year and you realize he doesn't have an interception in his career (laughs) at all. Like these these are just things that you don't think about because you see how they play in other facets of the game. And it just goes to show you that it's not always about the box score, right? Sometimes it's just about what you bring to the team. Alvin Kamara serves as such a distraction for defenses that it opens up possibilities elsewhere around the field. And you look at a guy that's productive like Von Bell, you see him make plays in other ways. You see him now adding coverage, deep coverage, being a deep coverage safety uh, to his resume. You see him picking up the scoop and score on the forced fumble by Eli Apple. So you see these guys that are able to make a difference and that are able to affect the game without necessarily doing, you know, doing things that really show up on the box score.
0: Speaking of that, I'm trying to encourage our listeners to not just be box score people. Again, if you look yeah. at the, if you just looked at the box score from Sunday, you go, well, Saints barely won 33-27. Russell Wilson threw for 400 yards. Uh, Saints defense sucks. It's easy to just make that, make that assumption. But when you watch the film and see that the Saints hit Russell Wilson 16 times despite not recording a sack, they hit Deshaun Watson 17 times a week one. They hit Jared Goff a ton last week. I think the Saints defensive front has been very good in creating pressure and and putting pressure on the opposing Mm -hmm. team's quarterbacks Um, talk to me what you saw on film this week in the defensive front I think Marcus Davenport to me is starting to look more and more active I know some people are a little frustrated because okay maybe the sack total isn't up there yet but at least I'm seeing a lot of production up front I think Malcolm Brown has been really good what have you seen Mm -hmm. out of that defensive front
1: yeah, I mean, I'm loving what the defensive front is doing, and it's worth mentioning, too, that it's still incomplete because Sheldon Rankins hasn't come back yet. And we've, we're hearing now week five, week six is the potential target, thanks to Nick Underhill. He doesn't report for the Saints anymore, but still reports for the Saints. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a buddy dude. But uh, when you look at what this defensive front has done so far, you can also mention some of these other guys. You know, I was watching the film yesterday, and I was looking at guys like Shy Tuttle, people that... You know, he, he's a guy that not a lot of Saints fans really know too much about. We know that he was part of the reason why they ended up moving on from uh, Taylor Stallworth, who's a beloved player and is back on the practice squad. But the effectiveness that Shy Tuttle has brought in early on in his career as an undrafted free agent rookie out of Tennessee, you know, you saw him make some big, uh, big stops in uh, the run game as well. And so that's a big part of what the Saints defensive line sort of struggled with earlier on this season. But he's improved there, which has sort of helped them big time in terms of Defending the run up the middle, so he's been huge. You look at Cam Jordan, who also had a huge game uh, on Sunday. He didn't get the sacks or anything like that. He only had two tackles in terms of what he was credited, but he had eleven pressures on his own in that game. And he and Marcus Davenport, who's been able to play, he plays a lot more now standing up. He's back to playing, and that's that two-step. I'm sorry, that uh, two-point stance, everything. He'll go down. He'll put a hand in the dirt every now and then, but he's been playing a lot off the edge standing. Sometimes I've even seen him playing. Yeah, through the interior standing. And so you see a lot of the Saints defensive line playing the way that makes them comfortable but also executing the game plan. And I think that that's been a big part of this. You saw Marcus Davenport come out of UTSA last year Uh, that first-round pick, and he played so much in that two-point stance, standing up at the defensive line and then being able to convert speed uh, speed to power. You saw him a little bit earlier on or a little bit later last season and then into this season playing with his hand in the dirt through the preseason. That just doesn't work for him. They got him up in that two-point stance, and he's been able to produce with that. And then Cam Jordan just continues to be Cam Jordan. (laughs) He just continues to wreak havoc. Uh, He specifically had a lot of success against the um against the tackles over there, but he also swung on the inside in that NASCAR package, which has been huge, being able to get the two of them as well as Trey Hendrickson, who's been producing a lot this year as well, getting all three of them on the field at the same time with David Onyemata in the middle. That's just been uh, an outstanding collection uh, for them on that front line. And, I mean, just getting that pass rush has been huge, huge, huge for them.
0: Outside of the the punt return and the the defensive touchdown, um, the play of the game to me on Sunday was just before the half 237 to go uh, saints are up 13 to 7 but the the Seahawks are putting together a drive they get to the Saints 41 and they face a third and one they get a stop and then they face a fourth and one and decide mm-hmm. to go for it that to me was the defining play because if they don't get the stop there the Seahawks are at least getting three and make it 13 to 10 if not getting six and going up with a 14 13 lead at the half instead the Saints get a stop, they go down and get points, and it's twenty to seven at the half. But in my mind, when it's fourth and one, who is better than Demario Davis in diagnosing where the run is gonna go and coming in and making the stop? Man, he is so good in those situations.
1: He's incredible. And I love you know, look, he got the opportunity to do the pregame speech. He asked for Drew Brees' his blessing for that, and that's great. You get out there, you 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 know, you ramp everybody up. You got on the field, but then you have to produce. And there's just absolutely no doubt that DeMario Davis produces when he's on the football field. And he was incredible. He was actually in on two turnover on downs because he was in on that stop. And he also forced the pressure up the middle when the Seahawks went for it, uh, went for it on fourth down. And uh, Russell Wilson sailed a pass over Tyler Lockett's head in the end zone, which could have gone for a touchdown because Tyler Lockett was, he had some space there. Yeah, but Demario Davis put that pressure up the middle, and and so that was the that was two of the times that the Saints forced a turnover on downs. And you know we're talking about not being a uh, uh, box uh, uh, box score scouters and everything. So when you look at that, you also have to take into consideration that the Saints all told forced four turnovers in this game. They had the fumble and then three turnovers on downs, which don't often show up in your turnover column or in your turnover margin. And uh, Demario Davis being a big time leader in that defense and being a big time example of how to utilize that tenacity and how to get after these guys, uh, it, it's huge. And he's the he's, hes the natural leader right now for the Saints defense, along with Cam Jordan. And you just couldn't ask for a better tandem there.
0: Last thing I also saw in the fourth down stop, Kiko Alonso was back there, too. I, I, mm-hmm. What did you see out of him in his first real kind of action at linebacker?
1: In the limited time that he played, he made the most of his time out there. I mean, he only had, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he only had 12, 12 or 14 snaps. Didn't see the field a ton, but he also picked up two tackles in that time, and he, including a big defensive stop, the one that you're referencing there, with the fourth down. So, I mean, you got to love him, and and that's one of the things that he. That's one of the reasons why the Saints went after him. He's got the athleticism, he's got the speed. He's a big-time tackler. He's not your strongest guy in coverage, but that doesn't matter because usually when the Saints are putting their linebackers in coverage, they swap over to nickel packages. When they swap to that nickel look he leaves the field, so he's not going to be a liability in coverage, meaning he's not going to be a liability to you at all. He's essentially assuming that Alex Anzalone role, who saw the fewest snaps out of any of those three uh, starting linebackers. So you've got a really good get there with uh, Kiko Alonso, and depending on what the severity of Caden Ellis's injury is, you might see him get a little bit more involved in uh, special teams. They've also got Ray Ray Armstrong as well. So we'll see exactly how that adds to his to his looks throughout the entire focus of the game, but in terms of what able what he was able to do on defense, he's been a great addition so far.
0: Ross Jackson, the All Saints considered blog and the Locked On Saints podcast. I know you got one up, recapping the uh, the win in Seattle. Uh, last thing, Ross the. Just an early scouting report on the game against Dallas on Sunday night. Look, we know the dome is going to be sold out. We know it's going to be rocking and loud. Dallas is three and zero, but man, not having Michael Gallup hurts them. Not having uh, their their free safety uh, Wood- Xavier Woods is going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, just an early scouting report on the game for Sunday. I mean, I, I, the Cowboys are three and zero, but those three wins are against three bad teams.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big. It's a big portion. Is that the Cowboys haven't really faced a good defense yet, and I mean the Saints' defense was outstanding last week against Seattle. Going to Seattle and holding them to seven points through the first three quarters is not nothing to shake a stick at. Like that's a big time achievement. And so if that defense can translate at home, which it should be able to, they're going to be able to give Dallas some problems and as long as that offense can get clicking and Teddy can get into his rhythm pretty early and then see what it is that Alvin Kamara has in store for him or, or any of those other guys that get involved uh you'll you might see the Saints squeak out another one here and and I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised at this point you have to assume that there's a reality here to where the Saints end up going 2 and 0 without Drew Brees to start you know his time without them but there's it, this is a winnable game they certainly look beatable against Miami so you, you go ahead, you put the defense down, and you see what you can get the offense to do. But it's going to be a tough matchup for that Saints offense uh, going up against that Dallas defense for sure, even with Woods out. It's not going to be an easy one, but I think they can do it. I think they, they've, they've got a good matchup here.
0: Dude, if, we, if they win this one, 5-1 and one is a possibility, with <clears> not I mean, it, <laughs> it's it just is. <laughs> look, t- look, I think they'll be Tampa at home, j- at Jacksonville. W- w- it won't be easy. Minshew's playing well. The Cardinals look like a disaster. At Chicago is that one I keep going back to. I mean, their mm-hmm. defense is. I mean, they are going to terrorize Teddy, but God, does Trubisky stink! Like I, watching them right. last night, I'm like, the Saints <laughs> should be able to hang around in this one if they can at least p- block Khalil Mack at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big thing for both this Dallas and this uh, and this uh, Bears game is: can you keep your offense hanging around with their offense? Right? Can you score against their defense and hold their offense down? Uh, Dallas has a much better offense than Chicago's, but those are definitely the two most challenging games, and if they can come out with a win here this week, it just makes everything all the more sweeter moving forward, that's for sure.
0: Ross, great stuff, man. Always good to talk with you uh, every uh, Tuesday here on the station, and uh, we'll do it again next week, man.
1: Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks again. All
0: right, thanks a lot. Ross Jackson there, the All Saints Consider blog. I'll follow him on Twitter, at ASC. And of course, host of the uh, Locked On Saints podcast, dropping a new one uh, just about every other day. It's it's. Uh good stuff from him and uh, great insight into the Saints. A big win over the Seahawks on Sunday. It's a Chris Gordy show. Sports 1280. We'll grab a quick break. We'll be back right after this.
1: Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That's should your day, Lop? Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, required, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.